Welcome to Talking Underwater, One Water, One Podcast. I am Katie Johns, Editor-in-Chief of Stormwater Solutions and Water Quality Products. Today we are sharing an interview with Tyler Jones, National Business Line Executive of the U.S. Water Practice for WSP. Tyler and I discuss the importance of a one water approach to water stewardship, the challenges to this, how it varies by region, and more. So without further ado, here is our interview. All right. Hello, everyone. I am Katie Johns, co-host for Talking Underwater, and I'm here today with Tyler Jones, National Business Line Executive of the U.S. Water Practice for WSP. And today we're kind of diving into a one water approach to water stewardship and flooding. So, Tyler, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So to get us started, can you talk about why a one water approach to water stewardship is so important? Yeah, I think the one water approach to water management is important because the the U.S. industry is organized around a one water approach, which is a holistic strategy to water management, recognizing the importance and value of water as a finite resource. So we feel as if water should be managed as a sustainable, inclusive, integrated way, maximizing the benefit of each drop. Yeah, definitely. And so... what are some of the challenges do you, you see to implementing this approach throughout the industry? Yeah, um, there, there are several challenges is out there, but for the you know, purpose of this conversation, I'd like to mm-hmm. focus on on three that I, I see out there that could be main challenges, and those are collaboration, funding, and then ultimately you know people resources. So from a collaboration standpoint, you know a lot of organization, agencies, cities, municipalities, they have their, their water systems, their teams are broken out into, say, stormwater, drinking water, um, and wastewater. And the collaboration that's going to be needed between those three teams, between the levels of responsibility throughout that organization, that mm-hmm. collaboration and communication is going to be a pretty heavy lift. Uh, not that it can't be done, but those are some internal things that you can see with an agency. And then also that external collaboration. You started talking about state agencies working back with cities municipalities if they're you know the federal government getting into these types of conversations as well that's just a significant amount of collaboration and communication that's required Uh, from a funding standpoint the movement the treatment the protective of water is very expensive Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a certain amount of help that we will get from federal government but quickly we'll come back to states cities, municipalities to, you know, use state revolving funds, pass bonds, sometimes think about the unpopular things such as increasing taxes, increasing water rates and those types of things. So from a funding standpoint, I think there's still a gap between the actual amount of projects that are out there and the actual needs that we have from a funding standpoint. And then third, resources. You hear it throughout the business. We don't have enough scientists and engineers and key organization engineering firms to actually deliver these projects. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as you get this one water vision and approach and you get key projects that are recommended, that's just adding more projects to the pipeline. Resources to deliver it can just delay these projects a bit longer than anticipated. Yeah, absolutely. And you made me think of, of another question, which is you talk about funding, collaboration, and resources. Are all of those interconnected in some way, right? Like if you have funding, you can have more resources, you can have more collaboration. How, you know, can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, they, we would like to think that they are all interconnected, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some states will get more funding than others. Uh, resources. Some states have more resources than others. So there's a shared bit of information I think that needs to happen across the industry to move these projects in that one water vision and approach forward. Yeah, absolutely. And you were just mentioning how it can, you know, vary across states. And I understand that you've recently worked on some projects that are one water focused. Um, I know you talked about projects in New York and New Jersey and, and Virginia. Can you tell us about those projects and their their goals? And Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah and, and I'll start with, you know, from a one water vision or approach, there are several large cities across the U.S. that have been proactive and they're already preparing to address near and long term impacts uh, throughout their uh, throughout their communities. So understanding system sensitivities, maximizing the value of their water resources, which includes drinking water, wastewater, surface water, groundwater, stormwater as well. So we've seen some cities being you know, proactive on that. You know, specifically for us at WSP, yes, we're executing work uh, from California, Florida, New Jersey as well. Some examples and some things that I have here, um, specifically in Florida, the Everglades, mm-hmm. very unique part of the U.S. And we've got a overall comprehensive Everglades restoration plan. And that's a restoration and protection of regional waters and ecosystems. And overall, that project combines nature-based design with engineering structures to move water safely and naturally through a system of man-made canals and uh, wetlands. Um, New York, New Jersey, a lot of those projects are more focused around um, water supply with dams, uh, dams that have aging infrastructure uh, that we're looking at to make sure that that infrastructure stays in place and keeps that water supply in place. Uh, we also have ecosystem restoration. There's an oyster barrier reef project, one of a kind, where we're using oysters to grow in and around some specific areas and protect from erosion uh, and control and you know waves and those types of things that can erode the coastline. So, doing a lot of work, significant work across the country. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you can um, speak to, if you're able, how these one water approaches vary by region, right? You were saying in Florida, it's a lot of nature-based solutions, whereas up in New York and New, in, uh, New Jersey, it was dam rehabilitation. So I'm wondering if you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and it, it will vary across region. And a lot of it is based upon how much water you have mm-hmm. in a particular part of the country. Typically along the East Coast, Eastern Seaboard, you got more than enough rain on an annual basis. And it's more stormwater type projects, mm-hmm. ecosystem restoration. As you move out west, the middle parts of the country, now it's a bit drier. Uh, drought conditions, so you're having to look at more water reuse, wastewater reuse projects as well. So it definitely varies from region to region. And then sometimes regulations come into play as well as you move across the country. So it makes a one water approach uh, a bit more challenging. And yes, it quickly goes back to the region uh, that you're working in. Yeah, definitely. And so I'm wondering, um, does this one water approach play into weather resiliency, climate change? And if so, can you expand on that for us? Yeah, it does play it and it has to to play into Mm -hmm. it. You know, look, you know, from a climate change standpoint, it impacts every aspect of our one water vision. It impacts every project that we're looking to move forward with design um, and construction. 
you know, as we see climate change from intense rainfall events to drought, it will impact the, the types of projects that mm-hmm. move forward. Um, if you look at designing projects in areas that have a significant amount of water, climate change, be it from a, a tropical storm, a, a hurricane, you have to harden the surfaces of those projects. It doesn't help you to put in the most innovative wastewater treatment plant near a coastline if a hurricane is going to come in and destroy it within you know, two, three years or so. So you got to think and consider about hardening those, those types of projects or surfaces around them. Elevation is going to be key in a lot of those projects as well. So, yeah, without a doubt, climate change is definitely going to impact that vision of warm water. Yeah, absolutely. And how do drinking water projects play into this? Is WSP involved in any drinking water specific projects you can touch on? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, one that we have from a drinking water standpoint, it's the Tap Rock Water Treatment Facility, which is part of the Potomac Water Supply Program state-of-the-art facility that is taking raw water off the Potomac River, storing it, and at times of drought and shortage, you then run that through a treatment plant and have water available for the community. So drinking water is a, a huge, huge part of the One Water vision. It goes back to being impacted by climate change as well, but the treatment the storage treatment and ultimate conveyance of drinking water is very part, very, very significant part of our one water vision. Absolutely. And Tyler, my last um, question for you today is if there are any other <clears throat> engineering firms, consultants, companies, municipalities that want to get better at using this one water approach, what advice can you can you share with them? Communicate with your clients. Um, have some thought-provoking, innovative conversations with your client. Come to them with innovative thoughts and ideas on, hey, look, from a communication standpoint, strategic vision, leadership, community-centered approaches, making sure communities are involved in those final decisions that are being made, and ultimately recommending project lists to take back to those clients and vet that through their process. I think it just goes back to that clear communication, a strategy, a vision, and approach is what I would recommend to any firms out there. Absolutely. That is great. Well, Tyler, you have answered all of my questions for today, but are there any final thoughts you'd want to share with our listeners? Uh, uh, nothing more than that vision of One Water. Let's make sure that we keep that in mind uh, mm-hmm. in the next coming months and years. Um, you know, Sometimes as you know, practitioners in the engineering community, that uh, you know, short-term memory, things that could happen and impact our communities from a water standpoint, we quickly forget about it. So have that memory of things that have gone wrong, have that memory of things that have worked and share it. Share it throughout the industry, share it with your clients, coworkers, others throughout the engineering community as well. Awesome. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Perfect. Thank you very much as well. Yeah, have a good rest of your day. Bye now. Thank you so much, Tyler, for taking the time to chat with me and for sharing all that information and insight with us. It was really valuable. And now on to a little bit of housekeeping before we wrap up. First, our webinar about PFAS across the water sector is now available on demand at wwdmag.com webinars. Hear from various engineers and industry experts as they discuss the impact on, of PFAS on drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater. Similarly, for Wastewater Digest, the Collection Systems webinar is also now on demand at wwdmag.com webinars. 
That one features Derek Schwinke from Garber, who provides an overview on technologies and considerations for sewer inspection, cleaning, and rehabilitation so you can create a strong asset management plan. Next, for Waterworld, you can now view the September-October issue on waterworld.com. Simply go to magazines in the top navigation bar on the Waterworld website and view at your leisure. For water quality products, if you missed the Crystal IS PFAS panel on September 27th, that is now available on demand for you to view. Go to wqpmag.com webinars to register and view. And for Stormwater Solutions, our 2023 State of the Industry Survey is now open for responses. The survey only takes a few minutes, but helps us get a pulse on how business was this past year. You can take the survey at bit.ly slash SWSSOTI23. And with that, don't forget to like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can also reach us at TalkingUnderwater at EndeavorB2B.com to share your thoughts. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TUWpodcast. Thanks so much for listening. 